You're listening to Thoughts of Thaddeus, a show dedicated to people wrestling with life and faith. Here is Pastor Nick Pierce. Good morning. Welcome back to Thoughts of Thaddeus. I'm Nick Pierce, and we are talking about fighting Phariseeism, part two. If you didn't hear the first one, I encourage you, challenge you to go back and listen to the first one, um, obviously the part one of that. So really not planning it to be a series, but um, yeah, I'm really not in charge here. So just kind of let the Holy Spirit move and uh, bring certain concepts to mind. And, and and you can't shake that, you know, when he brings up something in my heart, in my mind, and I'm processing it, you know, I think there's a reason for it. Sometimes I think it's just for me, other times uh, it's for others. And so, uh, and that's part of what this podcast is about, you know, how can we glean from each other. So love to hear how people process life and faith. Um, and that's just the inner thoughts of a crazy youth pastor trying to live for Jesus in this crazy world. So um, the thought on, on this part two series, we've all heard before, you know, don't judge, don't hate people who sin differently than you. Um, and that's very true. And I would even take it further, the deeper thought. Don't judge or hate people who worship differently than you. And so before you get all up in arms thinking, I'm, I'm talking strictly within the church. I'm not talking about Buddhists or Muslims or atheists and, and in no way saying that everybody's saved as long as they worship in their own way. We're talking about within the body of Christ, pointed directly at Christians. Because a lot of times we, we will judge and, and the strong word there, hate other Christians because they sin differently than us, but then they will worship differently than we do. So I was reading Luke 18, verse 9. He says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were not righteous, or that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. I said it wrong the first time, but... So this verse starts with the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. And in verse 11, the Pharisee says, you know, he's praying, says, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I mean, you think about that. Could you imagine being at the altar and you're hearing the guy next to you praying in church and saying, you like thanking God of who he is. And then he looks over to you and says, and thank you, I'm not like this guy. Because I know about his life, and he is a sinner. Like I would, I'd be praying, and I just kind of like peek out of out of the corner of my eye, up at him. Like, are you serious right now? There'd be a fight at the altar. Let me tell you. So the Pharisee found his own righteousness in elevating himself above others, and it's so easy to do. You know, a, a huge problem I think that we have within the church is we read the Word. And we use them as binoculars or a telescope to look at other people. But really, what's James say? The word is as a mirror in which we need to evaluate our own lives. So we'll read something, and a lot of times it's like, oh, that person needs to read that. Or we'll hear a message, and we want to nudge the person next to us like, pastor's reading your mail. You need No, 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 no. Pastor's not reading their mail. The Holy Spirit's reading yours. And so we need to be in the word looking at our own hearts not trying to elevate ourselves up. And the crazy part about doing that is when we set that kind of self-righteous standard, I've never met a person that has done that, but they didn't meet their own standard. 
They, everybody always sets the bar just low enough that they pass it, but others can't. So, you know, this is who I am. Oh, I'm, I don't do those things. I'm not like that person, or I don't do that on the weekend. But we're just a sinful, rotten scoundrel as anybody else. And I just think that's hilarious how we will set those bars of our own self-righteousness just low enough that we're able to get over them. And we do the same thing. We categorize sin, and then we look down on those who struggle in sin that is different than our own respectable sin category. Uh, Like if sin could be respectable, but that's what we do. You know, like, oh, the church won't tolerate their sin, but my sin, yeah, we're okay with that. And every time a pastor talks about sin, it's always about like anger or impatience. You know, it was the last time you heard a pastor talk about like a serious sin that uh, people struggle with every day. You know, yeah. Oh, what was it? We were at a conference one time, and you know, this is like a church leaders conference, and they had this big dramatic moment where this guy is like making a cross, and we were all supposed to write down the sins that we struggle with, and we go up there, we nail him to the cross, we're all crying and snotting. It's this amazing moment. Well, then right after that, this old man came out to speak. You know, when you're old, you can just kind of say whatever, and he just comes out. He puts his Bible on the uh, the podium, and everybody's like, you know, just having this awesome moment. You know, we're forgiven of our sin and all this. And he just says, I don't know why we're doing all this. He goes, every one of us wrote on there either porn or anger. We just need to get over it. And I just thought that was hilarious how he did that. So we try to categorize sin. We have our own respectable sin category, and we think, oh, uh, it, it's okay to tolerate my sin, but we can't tolerate other people's sin. And just the uh, the amount of sin that we tolerate is just staggering in the church today. It's, you know, it's like nobody's even read Matthew 18 or, and it, not even just church discipline, but let it just be out of love. When you're seeing your brother in sin, knowing what it's doing, first and foremost, in the relationship with Christ. And we just tolerate it. Oh, it's almost like we're just sitting in like septic tanks and we're just acting like they're hot tubs. Just like, oh, hey, Bob, how are you? And you're just sitting in this septic tank acting like it's a hot tub. It's just crazy. So our problem, our view of sin. We view sin through our own eyes of self-righteousness and not through the lens of God's grace. And that's the problem. See, when I just look at myself through my own lens, yeah, my sin's not that bad. But if I understand my sin through the eyes of God and through the lens of His grace, oh man, I am horrible. I'm horrible. So I'm not advocating that we become soft on sin. We just need to put it in the context of God's grace. That's how we need to view sin. Because we all have brokenness. We all have brokenness. And the a mission statement or a, a value statement that every church should have is we all have brokenness and your brokenness is welcomed here. You know, because I think it was Rich Mullins that said, you know, when we get up on a Sunday morning or or, when we go to church, it's not because we think we have it all together. It's, It's the opposite. And I'm paraphrasing horribly. But we are, we are testifying to our family, to ourselves, to everybody that we pass, you know, and uh, in our neighborhoods or on the roads, pulling into church, walking in. We're testifying to all those people. I don't have it together, and I need the grace of God because we all have brokenness. Um, and it means nothing. 
just because it looks different person to person. Like my brokenness is going to look different from somebody else's brokenness, and it should. I don't think a 35-year-old man should have the same kind of brokenness that a 14-year-old middle school girl does. If so, that, that's actually really, really, really scary. Uh, and so further, Luke 18, 13, uh, the verse says, But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. See, both the Pharisee and the tax collector approached the altar in different ways. And the difference was not an external issue. Standing off, far off, unable to lift his eyes, beating his breast, the difference was an internal issue. See, we all know what Jesus was talking about when he spoke of a house divided will fall. And I think this is Satan's best tool to attack believers. Because again, just want to give it the context, we're talking about within the church. Divide us in how we sin. Divide us in how we worship. Satan doesn't care. He has no care or concern on what he uses to attack us. He'll use anything to capture our focus and our attention away from obedience to Jesus Christ. He doesn't care. If we want to fight over if the piano or guitar or if there should be drums, there should be lights, there should be smoke, if we worship different, if we sin different, he doesn't care what it is as long as he captures our focus and our attention away from the obedience of Jesus. And so he tries to divide us. I mean, even when you read 1 Corinthians, you know, Corinth, Sin City, Vegas, like just uh, Sin City, there's people in the church where a guy is sleeping with his stepmom. And the first thing that Paul wants to address out of all the issues that are going on in that church, let there be no divisions among you. Unity. See, external attacks, they'll cut superficially, but internal attacks, they cut to the deep. No one inside the body should be surprised by the attacks of those on the outside of the body. Kind of what we talked about last time. But Jesus told us that this world will hate us for our faith in him. That's Matthew 5.11. But what cripples the body more is the attacks from within. When a brother beats down his own brother and we are divided. Now, we can do church differently and there's nothing wrong with that. And no church... Uh, is exactly going to be like any other church. We're always going to do things differently, but there's grace in that, and we should give each other grace in that. And rarely does anyone quit the church because of those things outside of the faith. Usually that strengthens, not weakens it. It's the attack inside that causes the scattering of the saints. Rarely a doctrinal issue, and I don't even know if you could call it a distinctive issue, uh, but it's definitely petty is what I would call it. Um, and so we have all kinds of examples of why people leave the church. And, you know, and if I was that uh, tax collector and I heard this Pharisee praying and saying, oh, thank you that I'm not like him. Oh, thank. Yeah, I'm out. Like, I'm never coming back to that. And we all have examples of why people leave church or that a church splits. I've heard uh, color of the carpet, color of the hymnals, uh, the fact that we still use hymnals or we don't use them. Or the pastor is to fill in the blank. The church is fill in more blanks. I think the funniest one I heard one time was um, they were like deacons or elders, leadership in the church. And one deacon got a bigger piece of ham than another one at the Easter dinner. So the church had some dinner. 
Easter night, and one deacon got a bigger piece of ham than the other one, and that eventually started a fight that just grew into bigger and bigger until the church split. Ham. See, I guess that's why we should have followed Old Testament laws. That's why we would never would have had that problem, because we wouldn't have been allowed to eat pigs. So, um, and, you know, you hear all those stories, and you just have to kind of stop, and it's like, I bet God is just so honored by all of this. You know, like, yes, very sarcastically saying that. Just doing a short study of his grace and his mercy and his love and his truth. And the biggest thing inside the body, we need unity and we fight over the most petty things. Like, how in the world could we say we honor the Lord and that? So next time we walk into worship, whose heart do we have? Do we have the Pharisee or do we have the tax collectors? Whose sin are we more worried about? Others, person we saw and what they were doing on Facebook, or our own. And the next time the church service doesn't go your way in any capacity, I didn't like that song. I didn't like the pastor's story. He talked too long. He needs to talk more. He needs to just remember. It's a worship service. It wasn't for you. It was to worship the Lord. And so I thank you that if you go to a church and the music's not as loud as you would want, or if it's too loud, or if the lights are up too much, or if it's not dark enough for you, or whatever it is. There's always little things like that that it's just really not our way. I just thank you that you didn't make it about you. So have a good heart. Have that tax collector's heart knowing I'm a sinner and I need the grace and the forgiveness of Christ and this isn't about me and I need to have that heart that Christ has for people where I'm not putting the measuring stick of my own self-righteousness and standard against them. But I'm extending a hand and saying, hey, walk with me as we walk together into following Christ. So, hey, thank you for your time. Hope you find this encouraging. Again, find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Nickus1, N-I-K-K-U-S. Um, definitely send me a message if there's a topic or something you want to talk about or question, I'll give a response again. Uh, I, I'm a more of a Q&R, not a Q&A. I don't have all the answers, but I can respond to something. Um, anyway, hope you find this valuable and take care. Thanks for listening to Thoughts of Thaddeus. If you have any questions about God or want to get deeper into your faith, feel free to hit Pastor Nick Pierce up on Instagram at Nickus1. That's N-I-K-K-U-S-1. Thanks and have a great day.